Well, welcome to week four of Beyond Limits. We're calling this week Kingdom Blueprints, and I'm going to add also uh, and Destiny. So Kingdom Blueprints and Destiny. So we've let's give just a little bit of a recap of some of the things that we've talked about over the the past couple of weeks because each week is kind of building on the next week and so um, initially we just talked about the idea that we have probably in some way shape or form have limited with our beliefs the things that we've been taught we may have limited what we think the father is actually capable of in in life in faith in uh, in Christianity, there may have been some mindsets, some mentalities that we'd taken on because we um, week one we dealt with the issue of mixture. So the idea that there's God's word, there's truth, but then there's man's interpretation, and and sometimes we take what man says things mean or scripture means or how God is, and we use that as our source of truth rather than sourcing from the Father. There's a scripture that says the Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so we just kind of dealt with that mentality of allowing ourselves to be open to the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into all truth. And so we looked at the Father creating. He forms and fills the earth. It's part of who He is. So He's created the earth. He's created humans. Um, he's created us. He loves us. He breathes life into us. And his spirit is now with us, and so he desires to be with his people in relationship with them. But not only that, he then invites us to partner in his mission and his will um, as he shares his heart's desire and his plan for us. And so he just he loves us so much. He wants to be with us. He wants us to partner in bringing heaven to earth and having people come to know him. We're vessels of glory. We're ambassadors of his love. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Um, it says as though he's making his appeal through us. And so um, today we're going to be talking about kingdom blueprints. And so it's not just that the father will invite us into relationship and then partnership to bring his will from heaven to earth. It's that he will give us very specific instructions. I believe that as we look through the scripture in the past, we see that there are ways that he gave very detailed instructions to people when he had something for them to do. And so there's the idea, and I think we talked a little bit about it last week, just this idea of the Father's will and that it doesn't have to be this mystery. He wants us to connect with his heart. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to know what his plan and his will and his heart's desire is. And so we can exist in relationship with the father in such a way that he will reveal these things to us. And so um, the beyond limits class is somewhat of a, of a precursor or a foundational class for the engaging heaven intro to engaging heaven class with Christine. And so in the engaging heaven class, she will talk a lot about pressing in and going to the father, going to the throne room, seeing, seeing what he's doing, asking what, he wants to happen. And I think she covers at some point in time, this idea of blueprints, like getting these blueprints for your life and, and destiny scrolls and all these kinds of things that seem kind of odd or unique or uh, maybe fringe or something you've never heard of before. 
Um, and so today is actually going to help us to cover a little bit of that in the idea that, again, through this class, we've been asking what's possible. It's a scriptural journey into supernatural possibility. And so where we want to ask what's biblical, really, I would pose the question, well, what's actually possible? So people going into the heavenlies and getting scrolls, like, is that biblical? Well, I'd say, yes, it's in the scriptures. And is it now still possible that that can happen? And I would say absolutely yes, because I believe that the Lord is in the business of revealing these things to people and he can do it however he wants in whatever fashion or manner he desires. Um, and so before we dive into some of that, I want to uh, just take a moment and talk a little bit about destiny because destiny is this big word that we use um, and some people believe in destiny. Some people don't believe in destiny or, you know, we'll say, well, if it's, well, if it's our destiny, it's going to happen, that kind of thing. Well, when it comes to destiny in relationship with the father, I want to take us to Romans uh, chapter eight, 29 through 30. And we're going to talk about destiny through the idea of the Lord working in you and the Lord working through you. And so, Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So there's that word, destiny. He, he also predestined. So he decided beforehand is really what we're, we're talking about here. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so there's this idea of predestination. So we're not going to talk about it um, in a way that maybe you've talked about predesti predestination in the past, where it's this hot topic in, in theological circles, and we want to know if, if God actually decides if people will go to hell before they're before they're born and that kind of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those who are in Christ. It says he foreknew and he predestined to be conformed to the image of the son. So the father has decided beforehand that I would be conformed into the likeness of his son. And so Yeshua is the fullness of the image of, of the father right? He was, when he came, he was Emmanuel, God with us. So he came in bodily form and he was all of the father present. And so we get an image of who Jesus was. And so as he lived his life on earth, we saw him do all kinds of miracles, things that were part of his ministry, um, raising people from the dead, healing the blind, healing the sick, um, proclaiming good news to the captives, setting the captives free, giving beauty for ashes, doing all of these things, um, giving, forgiving sins, all of this stuff. Jesus only did what he saw the father do. So he walked in such a way that he was in 100% complete obedience to what Yahweh was desiring. So again, all through the scripture, we see that the father is revealing his will that he's sharing his heart's desire, that he's saying, I have a plan. 
And so then Jesus comes and walks out perfectly the plan of the Father in full sonship, in full identity as the Son of Man, the Son of God, in full wearing and exhibiting and embodying the fullness of the love, that unconditional love that the Father has for others. He's forgiving sins. He's reconciling people to himself. He's loving unconditionally. He's being selfless. He's forgiving those who don't really deserve to be forgiven. He's saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. He's modeling the kingdom of heaven coming from, from heaven to earth. And he's, you know, on the cross, sacrificing himself. So all of this image of the son that we saw, Yeshua, in the gospels, who he is, what he's done, that's the image that we're being conformed into. And so it's a work that's happening in us. And so part of our destiny is that the Father's going to use all of the resources of heaven and earth and his spirit in us to continue to conform us into the image of the Son. So all of our life will be this process of us being conformed into the image of the Son. So part of that destiny is what he's doing in us. And to me, that is a beautiful work that sometimes I think, I don't know, I don't want to say that it outweighs what he's going to do through us, but I think it's the more important work in a sense that the father would choose to do a work in me that he would take somebody who's selfless, angry, lustful, sin, prone to sin, and that he would change my life and do a work in me that's by his spirit that changes my heart, that changes my mind, that causes me to walk in his ways, that causes me to look and act like Yeshua while I'm here on earth. To me, that's amazing. And so I, I want to talk a little bit also about the work that's doing he's doing through us because there is an image that we take on that is the image of the son and we're being conformed to his likeness, but we're also on mission in the same way that Jesus was on mission. We're bringing heaven to earth. And so Jesus did that perfectly. And so there are things that Jesus was doing that he only saw the father doing. So there was such a relationship that existed, a tight knit relationship, an open line of communication, spirit to spirit, where Jesus is being led to do what the father's desiring to do. So let's look real quick at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through 10. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, for it's the gift of God. We know this, right? It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good deeds. So get this. There are things that we're going to do that are good deeds, which God prepared beforehand. So we might walk in them. So we just looked at a scripture that said we are predestined to be conformed into the image of the likeness of the son. So the father had already decided that this is who we would become. This is what he would do in us. Now, this other scripture is now talking about the father has decided and prepared beforehand good deeds that we might walk in them. So he knew, he knew 
Myrna and Patricia and Patricia and Linda and Job and Antoinette. And um, he knew that as we came to live on this earth, that we would go through a process of being conformed into the image of the Son. But he also knew that there were good deeds that we would do by the leading of the Spirit that he put in us, that he already decided that we he would do that we would do. So he had has a will and a plan for our life to do something in us and to do something through us. And so I suppose my the question I'd like to answer at this point in time is how do we know the good deeds that he prepared beforehand? So just from a logical standpoint, we read the scripture and it says that we're his workmanship creating Messiah Yeshua for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand. So we might walk in them. So I would read that and say, okay, father, the scripture tells me here that I was made in Christ and that I'm made for good deeds that you prepared beforehand. So there are some things that you've already decided that I would do that are good deeds, that are spirit-led, that are for the kingdom. And so what are those things? And it's a very simple question to ask. And so I would now say, let's look at Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus kind of gives us some insight into how he functioned and what his relationship and what his communication with the father looked like. So the disciples knew that Jesus was going away to the mountainside early in the morning. It says, as was his custom, and he would get away and he would pray is what they said. And so the disciples see Jesus functioning in prayer. And so they're saying, you know, he's obviously connected to the father. <laughs> he obviously knows the word of the Lord. He obviously hears the voice of God. He's obviously doing what is in line with the will of the father. And so then they ask a question and, and they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. How do we pray? And so then we get the Lord's prayer here. And it's really interesting when we look at the different segments that happened here in the Lord's prayer. I think we get huge insight into what um, the Lord is trying to teach. He's a rabbi. He's teaching them to pray, but I believe he's also trying to show them deeper truths about relationship with the father, about what it means to be a child of God and about what it means to walk in relationship with the father. So Jesus says, therefore pray in this way, our father, in heaven. So it's sanctified be your name or hallowed or holy or set apart be your name. And so Jesus immediately, as he teaches them to pray, I believe what he's doing in this moment is one, he's revealing his relationship as son because he says, pray this way, our father in heaven. So he's basically, he's using this word that is, is daddy or papa as you may have heard taught before, it's this child endear term of endearment of a child to a father. And so Jesus is saying, my relationship with the father is that of a son whom he loves. And I can address him as such in a way that is intimate. 
and not just systematic. And if you've ever heard anybody pray, and I, I, I'm not trying to knock on prayer, but sometimes when we go to pray out loud in groups, we'll say things like, you know, we'll say, Father God, Father in heaven, and we'll say these things, but it's almost like it's just a phrase we're using because we've heard other people adopt that phrase. And it comes from here, from this scripture, the, the Lord's prayer, but we'll, we'll say things because it's been taught us and it's just become a way that we've prayed and we've made it devoid of that intimacy that truly exists there. I mean, I, I would just encourage you in your prayer, in your pressing in, in your approaching the throne, in your communication with the Lord, just take a moment and when you approach him, just look at him and call him father. And then just let that be a, a moment of remembering the depth of the intimacy of the relationship that you have with the God of the universe that you can call him father and that he calls you son or daughter. He looked from the heavens and a voice came and he spoke down and said, or he spoke out and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. There's that relationship of a father being pleased with a child and the child recognizing the intimacy of the relationship between a son and a father. And so he says, our father in heaven. And so in heaven. So Jesus is now just kind of laying a foundation, I suppose, that there's communication happening from a human on earth to a father, to the father in another realm, in another space, in another place. There's a supernatural communication that's taking place. This is a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibility, right? So, I mean, what do we even really believe about prayer? Do we believe that we are speaking into, we are speaking out essentially, and we are piercing, we're going through the veil that once separated humanity from Yahweh, that there's now no veil, the veil was torn and there's this open gate, let's just call it a door. There's this open door for communication from a human being to a spiritual entity. And that prayer isn't just one-sided, it's also that we receive because again, Paul said, if you're going to desire, desire any spiritual gift, desire its prophecy. And that prophetic nature is not just the idea of us. It, it, it's getting a word. It's understanding the heart and the mind of God. It's the open communication that Yahweh on his throne desires to hear from us and also to speak to us. And so there's a, there's a, there's a looking beyond the physical there's a going beyond the veil there's a moving into the heavenly place when we pray and jesus is teaching his disciples our father relationship is so important identity as sons and daughters of the father is so important but then he says in heaven it's so important that we we understand that we are appealing 
to a a higher way, a, a higher rule. There's our Father in heaven. He's king. He's judge and ruler over all. And so it's not a physical, earthly thing that we're taking part in. It's a supernatural means of communication that supersedes anything of the natural world. And I just think it's important that we just hammer down on that. So I would say, let's just make the statement. When I pray, I speak to heaven. People, what? You speak to heaven? What are you talking about? Like, how, how do you speak to heaven? You don't go to heaven until you die and this, that, and the other. How can you speak to heaven? Well, Jesus said, our father in heaven. Who was he talking to? The father in heaven. And it doesn't have to be this like mind-blowing realization, but I just want us to really embrace what's happening and just understand that importance of what he's talking about here. So our father in heaven, sanctified be your name. So here's where we'll get into destiny, a, a little bit more about blueprints and his will on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is praying and he's making a statement. So he starts off by saying our father in heaven. So he's recognizing the relationship. He's no, He knows that he's going and, and speaking to the heavenly places. It's a supernatural scenario. And so now he's making a statement that isn't so much a, a question, but it's a declaration. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I believe what Jesus is doing in this moment is that he is, he is agreeing to partner with the Father in what the Father desires. That there's a heart attitude that's saying, your kingdom come. He's, his posture, his position is one that he says, I want what you want. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So again, there's another appealing to heaven that's happening. So the communication is taking place and it's piercing through the natural into the supernatural. And Jesus is saying, your will on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a will in heaven. And Jesus is saying, that will come down. Your heart's desire, your plans, your ways, your kingdom exist. You, you've decided, Yahweh, what that needs to look like and what that looks like. And so now we're bringing that down. We're bringing heaven to earth. Your kingdom is coming from heaven to earth. And so Jesus later on goes to talk about my kingdom is not of this world. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. But that heavenly kingdom can manifest into the earth and it manifests through the presence of the Father, through us, by his spirit, by his, his principles, his ways, and by these good deeds that he prepared beforehand. So Jesus says, there is a way that things are in heaven and I want those to come to earth. I'm praying in such a way that I'm declaring that my heart's desire is that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I know that there is a way that it is in heaven and I want that to come down. And then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you notice that the first part isn't necessarily 
Jesus asking for things. It's him just declaring and, and establishing his position as a child and saying, I want what you want. And then he makes the asks for the daily bread, the forgiveness, um, and the not leading into temptation and those things. So let's look real quick, because I want to talk about this idea of things being a way in heaven for those things to be brought down. So Hebrews 8, 5 through 6, it says, They serve as a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. So here in the book of Hebrews, they're talking about the old way the 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 way of the temple the way of the the high priest and the daily things that they would do and so the writer saying that those things served that that the high priest serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven this is why moses was warned when he was about to build their tabernacle see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain so the scriptures are telling us in this instance that the tap, the tabernacle, the sanctuary where the high priests served were actually a copy and a shadow of what was in heaven. So I can just imagine that the father on his throne is looking around and he's saying, I want to have high priests serve on earth in the way that things are happening here in, in the heavens. What's happening here in the heavenlies, I want to bring this to the earth. And so I'm going to use my servant Moses to build a tabernacle. And I'm going to tell him how to build the tabernacle based on the pattern that I'm going to reveal to him on the mountain. And so to me, this sounds like a kingdom blueprint. It sounds like a blueprint. When builders build, they build from blueprints because they have a way that they want things made. And then they give those blueprints to their workers and the workers are very careful to make everything according to the blueprint. And so the father gave this tabernacle blueprint to Moses and told him to build it. And he told him exactly how to build it. So let's look at Exodus 25, eight through 16. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So let's just look at what's happening here. The father has a desire to build a sanctuary on earth. He wants to bring that scenario from heaven to earth. So he engages with Moses and he speaks to him and he gives him instruction and he gives him very specific instruction because he wants that thing to manifest from heaven to earth and he's using a human to build it he's partnering with a human moses his servant who said who said hanani here i am lord and received the commands existed in relationship with the father ascended the mountain met with the lord heard the voice of god 
basked in his glory, came down in the glory, glowing with blueprints and commands to give to the people to go and do. And so the father says, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern. I'll show you. So he says, I'm going to give you specific details about the things that I want you to do and how I want you to do them. Have them make an arc of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. And then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I gave to you. So all of that to just say that the father was very specific in the things that he was giving to Moses. <clears throat> so is it possible that the Lord might give somebody a blueprint to build something for his kingdom, for his glory? Absolutely. He can have people make whatever he wants, right? I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody, but what I am saying is that the father functioned in such a way that he was very specific and very detailed about the things that he would have people do. And so we are predestined to be conformed into the image of the likeness of the son. And we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that the father prepared beforehand. And so I believe it's totally possible that we can approach the father and say, father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What role do I play? What do you want me to do? What are the good works that I'm to do? And I'm not just saying that this is a, a thing that we pray once and we don't pray it again. It's a mentality and it's a way of life. Jesus went to the mountainside to pray early in the morning, as was his custom. He made a custom of existing in continual relationship and communication with the father so that he only did what he saw the father doing. He was existing in such a way that he was only doing everything according to what was being shown to him. So in one scripture we have, be careful to do, do it exactly as it's been shown to you. And then Jesus says, I only do what I see the father doing. So Jesus only did what he was shown to him. So let me just tell you this real quick. I think this is a moment in time where I can, I can hammer down on the freedom that we have as believers in Christ, as children of God, that we have freedom to do everything the Lord wants us to do. And we don't have to do what he doesn't lead us to do. And for many this sounds really interesting because people will say, well, the Bible says, and so you should do this. The Bible says that you should feed the poor. Well, should you feed all the poor all the time, every day, all of the poor that you run into? Or could it be like when I go to, um, when I go to a corner store to get gas and to get some food, Oftentimes I'll pe see people sitting out front and they'll be wanting to ask for money or asking for food and those kinds of things. 
I know the scripture says that I should feed the poor. And there have been times that just based on scripture, I've gone up to somebody and I've said, Hey, the God that I follow, Jesus has a heart for the poor. And I'm here to, to love you because it says that if I'm doing this to you, I'm doing this to him. And so his heart is that you not go unfed. So I want to feed you. So there's been times where I've allowed the scripture to dictate that. There's also been times where I've been walking up and I see somebody and I say, Father, should I feed them or should I not? And he will say, buy them a hot dog or buy them a drink or give them $2 or he'll say, not this time. Can you imagine that the father would say, don't feed that for that poor person? So let me give you an instance. Jesus functioned. He, he walked the earth. He healed a lot of people. He raised some people from the dead. He healed blind eyes. He forgave sins, but he said he only saw, he only did what he saw the father doing. So if he's moving and living and he sees that the father desires to heal this person, he healed that person. Now, just because Jesus didn't heal somebody doesn't mean that the father didn't want them healed. It may only mean that the father has a different will for the bringing about the healing or the kingdom coming to that specific place and that specific person. So in the book of Acts, when they were going through the gate called Beautiful, it was Peter and John, and there was a beggar who was sitting at the gate. And it said that that beggar had been there his entire life or for years and years and years. It's the gate beautiful that was going toward the temple. Jesus would have walked through that gate. Being a Jew, going to temple, observing the feasts, being a good Jewish boy, he would have gone through that way and he would have seen that beggar and that person who needed to be healed multiple times during his ministry. Why didn't he heal that person? Because he didn't see the father doing it right then and there. Because he knew that John and Peter would walk through the gate called Beautiful after Jesus ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, filled up the disciples. And as they were moving forward in their ministry, one that seemingly got left behind and overlooked by Jesus is now being healed by followers of Jesus. And it's because in that moment, that was the will. That was the good deed predestined for Peter. And he was walking in it. And so I just want us to have freedom to be able to do only what the father leads us to do. And what that means is that maybe someone will ask you to give to a certain ministry, or maybe someone will ask you to volunteer at a certain church function, or someone will help you to do this or do that. And all it takes is pressing in and saying, father, should I do that? And he'll show you and he'll lead you and he'll guide you. And it's sometimes difficult to tell people no, because they expect that you'll do all things for all people because you're a Christian or whatever it is. But there are times where you might have to say, Hey, you know what? Actually the Lord has led me to give to this ministry. And right now that's where he's having me focus my resources. And I'll tell you what, there will be more fruit from that you actually doing what the Lord is showing you and leading you to do. So there's this idea that we can be led by the Lord in all things and that he can tell us what to do and when to do it. And that we can be very careful 
to only do what is shown us to do. And so again, Exodus 25, 40 says, see to that, see to it that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain, that we do things in accordance to the way that the father is showing us to do things. Uh, real quick, Genesis six, it's uh, Noah and the ark. Noah gets blueprints to build an ark and there had not been anything like it before or even, I mean, yeah, it's before. I mean, there was nothing like it. So he got heavenly revelation from the father to build an ark that had never existed. And he did exactly what the father led him to do. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Verse 22. So Moses was careful to build the sanctuary according to the pattern that was shown him. Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So there's not just this idea of obedience. It's not, it's not a message of you need to be obedient. You need to be obedient. Be, be obedient no matter what. Obedience, obedience. That's not what it is. It is a message of getting to a place in our mind, in our heart, that we could actually look at our life. We could look at our relationship with the Father and that there's a faith and a belief now that exists within us that we believe that we can go to the Father and that we can know His heart and His mind specifically. In a scripture later, in I think it's in Corinthians, it says, For who can know the thoughts of man except the spirit of man and who can know the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Yet we now have the mind of Christ. So you can only know my thoughts if you were to have my spirit. And we can now know the thoughts of God because we have his spirit. That's crazy, right? Is that not crazy? Scripture says we have the mind of Christ. We can perceive in the way that Christ perceives. We could think like Christ thinks. We can understand what Christ understands. We can know what Christ knows. I mean, we can know we have the, the mind of Christ. So we have the thoughts of Christ. And if we have the thoughts, we know the heart and the intention. And so we can be led and guided by the spirit. And we can get, we can do that in very specific ways. And so, you know, there are times where I just ask the Lord, should I do this or should I do that? This class, you guys, the Beyond Limits class started because I felt led to start a class that talked about going beyond the limits that we've placed on our thinking and what is supernaturally possible. Like that was the idea that the father gave me. I didn't know what the weeks were going to look like. And so at this time when the class was being birthed, I would go to the gym and I would run the track for 30 minutes over my lunch break. And so as I began rent running one day, I asked the Lord, I said, Hey, we're starting this class. I feel led to do this class. Like I need you to show me what to do. I need to know what to talk about. I need to know what the weeks are going to be like, because I don't know what I'm going to teach. I would like to have an outline. 
And so that very day, as I'm running, he then begins to reveal to me what week one is going to be about and what the scriptures are going to be. And he starts flooding my mind with the scriptures and saying, here's what you're going to use and here's how you're going to say it. So I pulled out my phone and I did a voice record and I said, week one, beyond limits, this, this, and that. Here are some of the scriptures. The next day, a couple days later, I'm running again. I'm saying, hey, I need week two, three, and four. And over and over and over again, as I'm pressing in and asking the Father, he's revealing to me the blueprint, the outline for the Beyond Limits class. And he gave me all of the scripture and all of the outlines even before I began teaching that first week. And so that was birthed out of me going to the Father and saying, hey, I believe you want me to do this. I just need you to show me how to do it. And he led me in that, you guys. And so then we were going four weeks on the Beyond Limits class. And I asked him, does it need to stay four weeks or does it need to be more weeks? And he says, add two more weeks. I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, I need to know what those weeks are going to be. And so the week leading up to me launching the six-week class, I'm pressing in, I'm asking the Lord. And he gives me the phrase, dealing with the issue of mixture. And I'm like, okay, that issue of mixture that he's to be our primary source for all things, for all truth, for all understanding, for all wisdom, for all knowledge. And then the next week I'm like, Lord, what's this supposed to be? And in the middle of the night, I wake up and I heard the phrase forming and filling. And I'm like, forming and filling, what is that? And then he began to show me in the scriptures where how he forms and feels and, and fills. And then he outlined that whole thing. And so week three, four, five, and six are actually week one, two, three, and four, the first four week class, but it's evolved since then. And so he's led me every step of the way in the things that I should teach and the things that I should say in the scriptures that I should use. And so I'm just here to present a case for very detailed and specific instructions from the Lord and the things that you should do. Scripture says we ask, we have not because we ask not. It also says, seek and you'll find, ask and you'll receive, and knock and the door will be opened. We have not because we ask not. Lord, I don't know what to do in this scenario. Lord, would you show me what to do in this scenario? <laughs> and then listen. We also have to believe that he responds. And we also have to have faith or exercise faith in that what we're receiving is actually from him. And sometimes it takes a step of faith. Here's what I heard. I'm not sure that I heard right. And we could ask again and maybe get it confirmed. Or there's been times where I'm like, did I hear right? Is that really what he's saying to do? And then I, I do it and I say it and it's confirmed that that's exactly what he said. And so it takes a little bit of exercising faith in that regard. Um, on the rest of the PDF, we look at exit or um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 40, 41, 42, 43. I would just encourage you to maybe just go read that later. It's not the most exciting scripture, but it is pretty, very, very um, descriptive in Ezekiel getting the temple duties and the temple layout from the father. It says that the spirit takes him and shows him that these rooms exist and that the rooms are this tall and this wide and this thick and it's got this material and it's this many feet away and it's just really amazing it just again to hammer down this idea that the father speaks to his people that he's partnering with in relationship and his will and he gives them very specific instructions in the book of acts it says that 
they tried to take the gospel into Asia, but the Holy Spirit stopped them from going into Asia. And so then in a dream, Paul saw the man from Macedonia. And the guy cried out and he said, come to us. So then when he woke up, he said, I just had a dream and they're calling to us from Macedonia. I will, I see that this is the Lord telling us to go to Macedonia. So they're just trying to be good missionaries and take the gospel because the Lord said, take the gospel. But as they're moving in that direction, the spirit directs them away from Asia and then give somebody a dream to lead them to Macedonia. So it's not just, you know, take the gospel into all of the world. It's father, where should I take the gospel? Should I go to South Africa? Should I go to India? Should I go to Zimbabwe? Should I go to Zaire? Should I go to Ecuador? Should I go to the United Kingdom? The scripture says, yes, we should go but I also believe that the Lord will lead and guide and direct us. Maybe if maybe there's an opportunity for you to go to Russia to reach people for the Lord. And there's a group of 20 people going, he might confirm to 20 people that they should go to Russia. And he might say to you, you're not supposed to go to Russia. It doesn't mean that you're not being obedient to the gospel and taking the, the, the gospel into all of creation. It's that you want to be obedient to where he wants you to take the gospel when you're going to creation. So let's look real quick. Um, John 5, 19, 20, I was giving this verse a lot. I just want to show you where it is. Therefore, Yeshua answered them, amen, amen, I tell you, the son cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son, and shows him everything he does. He will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So Jesus is saying, this is how I function. I can't do anything on my own. I can only do what the father shows me to do. He could, Jesus could only live in 100% obedience to the father. He couldn't do anything the father didn't say to do because to do something that the father didn't say to do would have been disobedience, which would have been sin and that would have negated the perfect sacrifice. And so we are to also, again, going back to destiny, he's going to do something in us, conform us to the likeness of the son. What is part of that likeness? It's doing what the father is showing us to do. And then the good works, which he prepared beforehand, will do those things as we exist in relationship and seek to come to know those things. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and here's where we will end. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Jesus taught us to pray, your will on earth as it is in heaven. And so by the renewing of our mind, by not being conformed to this age, we can discern or come to know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I kind of joke here with this, this last part of scripture, but how interesting would it be if when you talk to somebody in your life <clears throat> and you just said, hey, how's it going? And you just said, oh, you know, just discerning the perfect will of God. <laughs> would they look at you like, 
You're doing what? Imagine telling other believers, yeah, I know the perfect will of God. What do you mean you know the, the perfect will of God? Like, who are you? What makes you so special? Who do you think you are that you've got the, the perfect will of God? Come on now. You're human. You're flawed. There's no way you can perfectly know the will of God. We have the scripture and we can be obedient to that. And, and we know we're in the will, but to know the perfect will, like, I hope I'm doing the right thing. And like, we're not called to just hope that we're doing the will of God. As sons and daughters, as followers of Christ, as being conformed into the image of Christ, we can be doing the perfect will of God, but it's his perfect will. <clears throat> it's not us being perfect and doing it, if that makes sense. We can know his perfect will and we can walk in it. And so it's based on what he reveals to us and what he shows us that makes it perfect. And so we can look to him for what we should do and know exactly how we should do it. So the question is, what is possible? We know what's biblical. We just looked at it. It's biblical that his servants got blueprints and got details and existed in relationship to know and to do his will. We know it's biblical that we're being conformed into his likeness. We know it's biblical that we walk in good deeds. But what is possible? I want to say it's possible that Yahweh is still today revealing his plan and will for our lives and giving us specific instructions for building his kingdom as we seek him beyond the veil where he's seated in heaven. That's what I believe is possible. And so I just want to encourage you as we leave here, and I'm not perfect at this by any, by any means, but I know the power and the clarity and the peace of seeking the heart of the Father and saying, what do I do in this situation? How do I deal with this scenario? How do I teach this class? How do I build this ministry? How do I build this business? How do I partner with this person? How do I continue to do the things that you want me to do? How do I attack this issue in my life? How do I make sure these things get taken care of? And that he can show us and we can do what he shows us to do.